Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 227 of Dogcast Radio, which is unashamedly all about fun. This and all our other episodes, plus much more, can be found at dogcastradio.com. Coming up, we talk to Helen Brunton about being a pet sitter. I like the fact that I can meet lots of different people. I like the fact that I can do what I like and fit as many jobs in as I like. Uh, Nobody answers me back. Dogs and cats are always pleased to see me, never in a bad mood. (laughs) I think it's it's not a bad job at all. And we have the Dogcast Radio News. But before all that, I promised you fun, and my first guest is certainly that. Bill Boggs is an Emmy Award-winning TV talk show host and producer, an author and professional speaker. Today he's talking to me about his book, Spike the Wonder Dog, as told to Bill Boggs. Well, the book is, um, like, like many books that uh, seem to do pretty well, it is a true dog, this is the book here, The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog. You can see on the cover, this, I'm answering the question here, Spike is crashing through the TV <laughs> set, and we also have politically incorrect humor there. And it's the adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog as told to Bill Boggs. So the premise is that Spike essentially told me this story, and I'm relating the story. It's written in the first person. Yeah. So it's a dog story like the original Call of the Wild or The Art of Racing in the Rain. It's a dog story that's narrated by a dog. And I think the thing, one of the things that really sets the adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog apart is it is a complete comedic dog story. Uh, The gentleman, Winston Groom, who wrote Forrest Gump, a very successful novel in the movie, uh, described Spike as fiction's funniest canine, meaning the funniest (laughs) dog has ever come along to be in a novel. So if you like dogs and dog stories and you want some satire of uh, culture and media um, and adventure, there's, and, it's, and it's really it's a love story between the master and his dog. Beyond everything else, that's what it ends up being. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's perfect because when you have a dog, that's what life is really. You know, that, that's, I think non-dog owners don't get it, but if you own a dog, it is it becomes a love story between you and that dog, isn't it? That's how it should be. There's no question. As a matter of fact, here in, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Florida, in Palm Beach in the United States. And interestingly, in the New York Times today, there is a story about a couple of about veterinarians uh, it's one thing that has been busier than almost anything else. People are home with their pets. And there's this new syndrome, which I read about this today. Yeah. Uh, I'll read exactly what it is, because I always have a little notebook with me. Yeah. Really to write down stuff. It is called, get this, staring at your pet syndrome. Meaning, <laughs> yeah, get this. People are home, pandemic, they're working from home. So they're looking at their pet. The pet's looking back at them, and they, they say, something wrong with that paw? Let me look at that <laughs> paw. And so dogs are being taken into the vet in excessive amounts. A, oh. And B, which, you know, nothing's wrong with that, people taking care of the dog. And, and B, uh, shelters have been emptied out. 
People yes. have gotten dogs, you know, to be to be compa- to be companions with them. My book is just a mental companion for you. That's all. <laughs> but as you said, I mean, it will make you laugh. It will cheer you up. And my goodness, we need that at the moment, don't we? A good laugh. There's no question. There's no question. Short of a a needle in your arm vaccine, I think one of the best things you can do is think of laughter yes. as, as a form of medicine. My, my Jane and I, we live together here. We've been together 10 years. Every day we spend, I would say, probably two hours watching comedy yeah. Uh, yeah. On, tel- on television. Not all, not all the time. We're, we're into that zone right now. And I, I frequently wonder the value of just laughing a lot. I think yeah. it's really good for your health, really good for your health. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And when, when I've talked to people about their dogs and sort of you say, tell me about the dog that's got you through lockdown. And one of the phrases that you hear again and again and again is, they make me smile every yeah, day. absolutely. It's, yeah, well, it's magic. The, the dog in my book uh, is an English bull terrier, a proud breed uh, you know, from your country. I've had a few of these dogs. It's like it, it, it's like a, a comedian in a dog suit. They are really the, the the clown prince, in my opinion, of the dog world. And and so on Instagram, I have uh, connected with some English bull terrier sites. And a couple of them right right there in England. Yeah. The videos that these people are posting of their dogs is hysterical. The book, The Avengers of Spike the Wonder Dog, is inspired by a dog I, I had, hmm. an English Paul Turret, which I had. And the, the basic story is that the dog in the book has a master like me. I'm, I'm a talk show host, I, yes. or as you say in the UK, I'm a, I'm a presenter. I've had several different television shows, you know, interviewing people. So my very first show was down in North Carolina in the United States. And my, I brought my dog on one day. His name was Spike. Yeah. And I put the dog in a chair and I was interviewing whoever the guest was. And Spike like, was looking at the guest, yawning, <laughs> yawning. And then we took, we took a break. We came back. He was yawning. The guest was talking. He fell asleep on his back, you know. <laughs> and people loved the dog. And I could get him to do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I, he was very malleable in that regard. So before I left for New York for my big TV break, unfortunately, this is a sad moment here. Mm. The dog was killed by a drunk driver oh, right, in front of, right in front of me. Let's oh, yeah. move beyond that, right? Yeah. The idea I had when I wrote The Avengers of Spike, The Wonder Dog, the, 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 the seminal idea was this. What if Spike hadn't gotten killed? And what if he had come with me to New York in today's world of TV and social media, much different than when I went to New York for my big break in 1975 and became a big star in today's world. Yeah. So big that the price of fame would, would extract something. Yeah. From and so the, the book is really based on, on a dog who actually existed and was extremely funny, but very, very stubborn dog. At one <laughs> point, oh, Julie, I actually, there was a man in my neighborhood who was a professional dog trainer. Hmm. And he took Spike every day. I was at work when I, when he, Spike wasn't on the show. Every day, I paid the guy pretty well to train Spike. He returned Spike. He said he was untrainable. <laughs> untrainable! 
I mean, he was mildly housebroken, mildly, yeah. but he had his own yard and he was at his own doghouse. So that housebreaking wasn't a problem, but just getting him to like follow basic instructions, like stay, you know, he dug his way out of the yard a couple of times. Of course, oh. I had this thing around his neck with my phone number uh, and I get worried. You know, yes. and he'd be like six miles away, sitting on someone's porch. I had to reinforce the fence and everything. Oh. So that's why I took him in to get trained. But, you know, some, the English Bull Terrier uh, can be, not all of them, the male, can be a very stubborn dog. Requires a strong hand from puppyhood. And unlike my beloved Jane, I have never been particularly good at training. I can train <laughs> dogs. My last dog was a dachshund. And I could train this dog to do a lot. He was very intelligent. And we were really connected. I could get him to, to do way more than, than Spike, the, the English Bull Terrier. I could always get a dog to, like, stay and then come, and they'd run over, and I'd give them some food. Uh, that's about the extent of it, Julie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but you know. The, it, it, always, it makes me always smile because, like, to get them to do things like that, you know, stay come to you basic things like sit it amazes me how many people you say sit to your dog and they do it and somebody goes oh they're well trained and you think well, <laughs> not really no he'll sit you know, <laughs> yeah. you it's-, know it's so interesting the characteristics that that dogs take for example my last dog was a, a about a 17 pound dachshund yeah um, dachshunds come in the smooth coat the wire hair coat and the long hair and he was a, his mother was a smooth coat hmm. and the father was a wire hair coat. Oh, so wow. he, had, he looked more like a wire hair dachshund. And he was, a, I always wanted to breed him. And I never had, he was never neutered. And in truth, people say you should get him fixed. I would say there's nothing wrong. The dog is extremely affectionate. Um, and, but one of the differences between the dachshund and the English bull terrier based on their heritage was I could, if I gave Spike, my English Bull Terrier, a, a, a bone, you know, I got from the butcher, and I did that all the time, and I, for whatever reason, needed him to stop chewing, yeah. I could go over to Spike, take the bone out of his mouth, and, you know, put it in the refrigerator or whatever. And that's because the English Bull Terrier was so loyal to its master from the original days of the breeding. Now, and, and Spike was undertered. Pip, my dachshund, yeah. When he got serious, the taste yeah. of blood in his mouth and the bone, he became like a wild animal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, At no. one point, I, wa- I was in the kitchen. I walked over near him. And I thought he was going to attack me. I had to get the broom. And he started <laughs> the broom. Holy, so I, oh, dear. It was a rare treat that he would get a lamb chop. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, you just reminded me when when my daughter was, oh, maybe 10, we had a lot of her friends round for her party and we gave Buddy a Labrador, a nice, soft, daft Labrador, you know, um, and he was gorgeous, my Buddy. Anyway, black Labrador, gave him this, this bone. He was about three or four, three, and let him go in the garden with it. And so the kids could play inside. He was quite happy in the garden with it. He was, you know, it was all fenced in with a great big tall fence. Nobody could get him. And anyway, he was in the garden. So all the kids went home and we said, right, you can come in now. So he came to come in and we said, no, leave, leave the bone outside. <laughs> and he was like, oh, if I have to choose between you guys and the bone, 
I'm going back outside with the bone. And he was like, no, he reverted to being wolf. <laughs> yes. Food definitely yep. works. Now, Pip, Pip was very interesting insofar as um, the difference between the, 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 the two dogs, the breeds, whatever. Pip was extremely protective of women. If um, we had female guests in the house, he would, and their door was closed. In the morning, after he got up, he took them out. He would go and sit outside that door. And if you went to go in, like that, he wouldn't bite you. But he had a natural sense of wanting to protect, yeah. wanting to protect women. You know? Oh, bless. Isn't yeah. that cute? Yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous. They all have their own networks. It was mighty cute. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they sound lovely. And one of the things I really identified in when I was reading sort of about the, the background of your book is that you you hear, you heard Spike's voice. You heard very clearly what he would, exactly. his take on things was. That's and I, you know, I used to do, um, when, when I had Buddy, my Labrador, I used to do Buddy's Diary. And it, again, that was his take on life. Um, yes. You know, but when you have a dog, you do start to hear, that, but how, I don't know how accurate it is, but you do start to hear what they, what you think they're thinking, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the things in the book is that, is we go through a whole thing. When you read the book, you'll see in the beginning of the book how Spike is enabled to tell. I, I'm going to read. Okay, it's like great. I'm just see yep. if I can. But great. The, the, because this is actually addresses what you were just saying about you see your dog and you think you know what what they're thinking. Uh, this is from the Avengers of Spike the Wonder Dog. Anybody who's ever had a dog sees that we understand every word you're saying when you're talking to us, right? Right? Yeah. You know that. Don't deny it. Look, we've had centuries of listening to you humans blather on with your every concern, your every whim, your every worry. We get it. We get it. And yeah, at times, face it, you're tedious. It's like deadening for us to hear all this long-winded dribble when we should be outside running around together playing happily in the sunshine. See your dog yawning? Consider what you're talking about. Wonder why your dog sticks his head out of the car while you're cruising down the road? Same thing. You're not <laughs> bowling us over with your wit and jocularity. Now, one more thing. So Spike says, so we got the listening part down solid, but it's a sad evolutionary fact that we're still a long way from being able to bark back in a meaningful two-way chat. The average <laughs> dog is quite frustrated by this and unknown to you until right now, there's a great deal of canine incontinence that occurs because of this communication block. Yes. So that, I never read that to anybody before. It's just, that's the voice of Spike. Yes. Bless him. Describing what you, you brought up. Yeah, yeah. He's quite right. He's quite right. And again, another thing that struck me was one of the comments was he's not a cartoon dog. This isn't a cartoon um, character. I can't think of the word. But, you know, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's a realistic. You know, yeah, to an extent, realistic. 100% realistic portrayal of a dog. It, there's a form of humor. Um, by the way, always love English wit, and Jane is constantly watching some, some of the funnier of, of the English sitcoms, even, 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 even the really old ones. In the United States, we use a term, uh, observational comedy. Observational comedy is what... Uh, a comedian here, Jerry Seinfeld, does. We had a comedian, David Brenner. There's a comedian, Chris Rock. It's basically not joke telling. It's looking at things and observing 
some of the absurdities in, in it. So Spike, the Wonder Dog, uh, a lot of what he's doing is observing the foibles in human behavior, some of the hypocrisies and things and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's in it's in the first person. So when I started writing, because you meant you brought this up before, Julie. When I started writing, the, the wonderful thing was, and you experienced this in your diary, when you were writing your dog's diary, even though you were writing it, somehow the dog's personality had transmuted itself yes. into your writing style. And as a writer of fiction, this is my my second novel. Uh, as a writer of fiction, the one thing you have to nail is the voice of your character, yes. the voice of the characters in which you're writing, the narrative voice. Yeah. And that came to me instantly yeah. because of whatever happens psychologically in the registers of my mind about the actual spike whom I, which I, that I owned. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've talked a bit about sort of, you want, you want people to be cheered up. You want them to laugh. What, what else do you, well, how do you want them to, to feel about Spike? How do you want, what do you want them to take from the book? Well, I think Spike's a good guy. You can't push him around. I think you should listen to some of the things he's looking at, listen to some of the things he's talking about, some of the, the insincere behavior that he sees in people, uh, the, the hyped up, sometimes what I call performative aspects of behavior, people acting in real life as if they're on a TV reality show, yes. you know, walking in the room and not saying, hello, how are you doing? Walking in the room and saying, oh my God, hi! Yes. <laughs> Where did this start? You know, yeah. so he, he, you get it? You see what he's yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, my, my mom, we, we live together, and my mom's always saying, why do they have to scream? Why do they scream? <laughs> they're, 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 yeah, there's, a, there's another thing in the book where he, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to get dipped back into the book too much, but I think I want people to see, to hear Spike's voice and get them not only to laugh at, the, at the, not just what he's saying, but some of the situations that, yes. he, gets, that he gets involved in, that his master, uh, his owner, Bud, is a TV host based, based on, on me, my character. Yeah. He's a handsome yeah. chap. Yeah, a lot, of, yeah. Uh, a lot of the things in the book, Julie, are things that actually happen on television. So there is one undercurrent. Uh, of the Avengers of Spike the Wonder Dog, uh, where you, when you're reading any of the TV stuff in the book, having spent 40 years of my life on television interviewing people, is really rooted in, in reality. You don't have to know yeah. anything about me. You just have to have watched TV, and you'll, you'll, you'll see some stuff in there that Spike observes, that stuff that happens. That, really? That happens? It does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean really this is this has got a wide audience this book really hasn't it because if you like dogs and if you watch tv that's most of us really isn't it so it's going to appeal to a lot of people <laughs> yeah, more, more than ever i'd say <laughs> yes <laughs> yes particularly at the moment <laughs> oh definitely and as you say i mean you you do know your stuff you're reading your resume it's um you've done so many things haven't you well uh, you know I've lived long enough to do these things. You know, that's the thing. Um, I've had a long career. I started in in show business. Oh, in show business in 1966. Mm -hmm. And with a comedy team, two fellows who would sort of be, you know, I, I think that the closest thing they'd be with would be um, sketch comedy uh, beyond the fringe. They were yeah. like, really goes back 
but yeah. they were doing sketch comedy like Beyond the Fringe, and they were co-workers of mine who worked in the same boring corporate, and they started writing comedy routines, and they were very good, and so we made an agreement that if we could make, if I could make something happen for them as their agent, that we get out of this boring corporate life and go into show business. So. I was able to get them on national TV within six months. They were very good. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I began my career in comedy. And three, three and a half years of my life, I spent in comedy. And the fellows went on to be hugely successful, mm. multi-millionaire comedy writers in the United States. And that had a big imprint on me, even though I had, in addition to my having been in a comedy team and writing sketches and I used to like to write captions for cartoons and all. So, and, and in the mid '80s here in the United States, I did a series called uh, Comedy Tonight, which had a lot of comedians on it, and uh, 450 comedians in in two in two seasons. A lot of comedians. So I've been yeah. working in comedy off and on my entire career, and now I'm committed. I think for this phase of my life, you know, I'm, I'm 79 years old. Somebody was interviewing me and say, okay, what's next? The object is stay alive. You know, that's <laughs> what's next. But uh, my objective now is to uh, essentially be a comedy satirical writer. I'm already working. I started last Wednesday yeah. on, on the sequel to the Brilliant. Adventures. Like, I'm going to test. I'm going to test the title with you. Okay. Okay. Now, not many people have it. So the title is going to be Spike Unleashed, The Wonder Dog Returns. Like it. Yeah. Spike Unleashed, The Wonder Dog Returns. Yeah, I like it. And as we've seen, your humor is unleashed. It, it just, you can't leash your humor, can you? It just goes where I it wants to go. Not. That's good. Yeah. I like it. Oh, well, let's, have, <laughs> let's hope to review. Well, it's going to take a long, it takes a long time to write a book. I'm not a, I'm not a fast writer. No, Are you no. a fast writer when you were I, writing the, the, the diary? I can be. If I've thought it through beforehand, then it kind of flows. And then if I haven't, if I come to sit down and I sit, because I've done short stories for the, for the podcast as well. And if I haven't thought it through enough, I sit down and I go, no, I can't do it. I can't, you know, I have to think it through. I'm a re- I'm, I know people write in different ways. I plan. I have to have it all planned out. And I've, you know, really, really, not, not written it, but planned and then I sit down and I just write the, the plan. I know that doesn't work for some people, but I, I like that. Um, but do you, do you enjoy the writing process? Oh, I do. But first, I'd like to, to compliment the, the UK. It's, I think it's almost like people in England have a genetic command of the English language. I, I, it, I'm a, I, I, what I really like is getting into a, like a taxi in London and having a conversation with the driver that is like, she is like talking to David Frost. You know, they're just <laughs> the brilliant conversations, the use of language. It's a far cry from the same from a driver in America picking you up at JFK Airport, you know, and driving in. So oh, wow. uh, yeah. yes, I like I like the writing process first. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's um it's a different take. You see, you you admire the the English cabbies um language use, but I can remember um we we went from. We travel from um, Orlando back to Heathrow or Gat- Heathrow, I think. And so the, the guy um, 
the, the bus driver in um, Orlando was sort of going, hey, don't, don't remember, uh, sorry, don't forget your driver, Mr. Happy, and you know, give me a tip and I'll be even more happy, a real character. And we got back to England and the guy wouldn't even pull up to the bus stop. He's like, I'm stopping here, you get on, you walk, you know. I was just like, I prefer the other American guy much more. <laughs> good, that's good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jane and I had spent, uh, at the end of, I've been lucky enough to be a, uh, a guest speaker on 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 twenty cruises in the last uh, yeah. nineteen years, and we ended a cruise a couple of years ago in Stockholm, and I had never, other than an overnight, had never been in Stockholm, which is a you know a very well ordered city, very civilized, you know, there's no trash around or anything. And we spent three or four nights in Stockholm, and then we flew back to JFK Airport. Coming to the curb at JFK Airport with the impression of Stockholm still in our mind, it was as if we were in a third world country. Horns were honking, people were screaming obscenities, there was trash in the streets. And I said, Welcome back to New York, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. I guess familiarity breeds contempt, doesn't it? You know, as they say. But um, yeah. It's, so, I mean, it's the, the book sounds wonderful. I, you know, I can't, I can't, can't ask for more. No, great. I can't ask for more than dogs and humor and sort of authenticity. You know what you're talking about. So it sounds really great. Um, where can people find out more? Do you have a website? Yeah, well, I'll give you plenty of information. I'll give you more information than you want. Great. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, it, my name is Bill Boggs. And mm-hmm. The book is The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog. If it, it, it's available anywhere you would order a book, you know, it, it's, and it's available in the, the Kindle and the middle of the month, it'll be in an audio version. So at some Great. time in late are you, August. Are you, are you reading so, that? Yeah. So in terms of me, uh, I have a, a website, which is uh, mysteriously called billbox.com. Mm-hmm. And um, so you, if you go to billbox.com, that connects you with everything. Uh, the Adventures of Spike, the wonderdog.com. There's a website there. But the two things I would, I would like people to know about is I, I have, as you were kind enough to say, I've had a lot of different TV shows. I've interviewed m- many, many thousands of people. And I have a YouTube channel, which I've been curating for about 15 years that has about 500 clips from various shows there. And um, I'd love for people to go to it. It's free. It's called Bill Boggs TV, YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you just type in B-I-L-L-B-O-G-G-S TV on YouTube, subscribe, because then every time we put up something new, you get a notification. But this is yeah. not a commercial enterprise. When you've done a lot of work like I've done, and you, then you get to this point in your life, what do you start thinking, what's, what's going to happen to my, my legacy, my library? And although the Museum of Broadcasting is dubbing tapes, uh, the true my true legacy will will, will live on in, uh, on YouTube as long as YouTube is around. So yeah. Bill Box TV on YouTube, and then on that channel, there's me talking about the book. Uh, you see, there's also a lot of celebrities. But the last last couple of weeks, I've done interviews like this. We can, in fact, we can put this on the channel great. if you, if yeah, you send me a link. So you hear a little bit about about the book there, and um, my career is my one of my unfulfilled fantasies was I always thought 
I'd like to go to England hmm. as an American talk show host and do a talk show in London. It never happened. Oh. I did a lot of other things, but that never happened. Uh, yes. The, the, yes. Comedy, the comedy team I mentioned before, Patrick and Tarsus, uh, made frequent appearances on the American David Frost show. So I got to be, you were obviously, you know, Sir David Frost. I got to yeah. know him very, very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you see, we've, we've given you guys James Corden. You know, you could come over here and do some uh, no, I like shows. that. I, 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 like, uh, I like the work of Graham Norton. I think yes. he does really, he, he does a funny show. He's always got that, that I like him better without the beard, though. Uh, but that's just my preference. Yes. He yeah. has a twinkle in his eye. And he, even though it's a modern commercial talk show, he actually does engage in some real conversation. It's not just idle chit chat all the yeah. time. Yeah. And um, I'd, I'd like to come over there and see a taping of that. If you, yeah. if you have any tickets there in your bureau, do I see tickets to Grand <laughs> Well, if I had them, they'd be hidden away in a drawer. I wouldn't let you see them, Bill. Oh, which do you find easier, being the interviewer or the interviewee? Do you like asking the well, questions? Everybody likes to talk about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to sit here and blather on about myself. Much easier. <laughs> Much easier than being the interviewer because I have a I have a couple of stage shows I do where I tell stories about various things in my career, and so I I, I sink into storytelling pretty naturally. You yeah, know? yeah, it's funny because I I had the tables turned on me recently and I I was the interviewee and I found it quite nerve wracking because I was like oh crikey you know as the interviewer I just you know I have my list of questions I, I've ordered it i've thought through it through i give you you know i pass you the conversational ball you run with it i just sit and listen <laughs> and i was like oh my goodness i've got to do i've got to do the work now <laughs> that actually that's your question is more complex than my answer when i said i rather i have been in situations where i was executive producer for a controversial tv show hmm. and i was on the today show here in america which is like a big national morning show that has millions of people watching it and I was on in like a debate with Ralph Nader, who was a, you know, a consumer advocate, big deal in America. And I, yeah, I wasn't as relaxed then as I am right now. <laughs> but it happens. You know, you just, you, you, they ask the question and it's there, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. We knew we were going to have fun tonight, though, didn't we, Bill? Yes. 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 So again, the book, The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog, as told to Bill Boggs, I'll read one little review okay. on the back. Um, again, going to Winston Groom, who wrote Forrest Gump. Bill Boggs and his friend Spike unleashed comedic wizardry in this madcap, highly entertaining, satirical novel. So thank you. Thank you very Excellent. much. Thank you, Bill. Cheers. You too. Cheers. Bill was such fun. And that sounds a great book. I wish I could have met the dog who inspired all that. We have the links you need to find out more on the Dogcast Radio site. There's BillBoggs.com, links to Spike the Wonder Dog as told to Bill Boggs on Amazon.co.uk and .com, and Bill Boggs TV on YouTube. Does your dog inspire your creativity? Or maybe you'd like to write about your dog, but you're not quite sure how to get started. Why not make 2021 the year you unleash your creativity and tell the world about your dog? Whether it's a book, a poem, a song, painting, sculpture, I'd love to know about it. And maybe we can set a group up on our social media where we can all support each other in our creative endeavours. Make that first step. 
and get in touch. According to research by Guide Dogs, Britain's dog owners are set to spend £162 million on their dogs this Christmas. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio news. We start with the news that the Netherlands has become the first country on earth to have no stray dogs at all. How did they achieve such an amazing feat? Well, it'll be Peter Pan's magic, won't it? Peter Pan? Yeah, he's in charge of Netherland. Not Netherland, the Netherlands. Holland. Oh, Holland. Yes. And do you know how Holland managed to eradicate homelessness in dogs? Did they ship them all off to Germany? No, now concentrate. It might be nearly Christmas, but we've got to take this seriously. Back in the 1960s, the Netherlands passed the Animal Welfare Act, and since then, over a million dogs were taken off the streets. Previously, there was a large number of stray dogs in the country, but through a programme of sterilising strays, making adoption financially attractive, and discouraging buying pet shop puppies by taxing them highly, change came about. Now, in a country where one in five adults owns at least one dog, adoption is unprecedentedly popular. On top of all this, responsible ownership is enshrined in law, with significant prison terms and fines for animal abuse. Sterilisation services are free to all dog owners, with a variety of options on offer. And that's how they did it. Do you see any of that working in your country? Now, if there's a problem that's keeping you awake at night, then goodness knows there's enough to worry about right now. Sleeping next to your dog might be the answer. According to recent research conducted by animal behaviourist Christy Hoffman, PhD, of Canisius College in Buffalo, New York, women report that canine companions are better bed partners than humans or feline companions. Hoffman analysed data from 962 American women about their sleeping habits and found that 57% of those participating slept with another human. 55% snuggled up with a dog. And 31% snoozed with a cat. Dogs' sleep patterns more closely coincide with sleep patterns in humans than do the sleep patterns of cats, which may explain why dog moms stick to a stricter sleep schedule. Dogs who slept in their owners' beds were perceived to be less disruptive for sleep than human partners and cats. Additionally, dogs as bed partners scored higher on comfort and security than human and feline bed partners. So there you go, cuddle up with a canine for quality kip. But if you saw this story, you might have nightmares, because in Milton Keynes, UK, seven-month-old Labrador Bella ate a safety pin after escaping from her garden. Bella escaped through a pet gate which had accidentally been left open, and her owners, Will Maisie and Sarah Ritchie, had to watch in horror as she swallowed the pin, unable to get to her in time to intervene. They rushed her to the vet, where an x-ray confirmed her predicament. The safety pin was open inside her. This meant that making her sick to expel the pin risked damaging her oesophagus. Bella was referred to a specialist clinic in Hertfordshire, with surgery her only option. But the operation itself ran the risk of damaging her oesophagus, so a soft tissue surgery team were on standby. Luckily for Bella, everything went well, and now she is at home, safe and sound. When 11-year-old Patterdale Cross Jess was taken in by Durham District RSPCA Kennels, she was underweight, nervous and had a skin problem. Christine Percival, a volunteer with So Sad Dog Rehoming Charity on the same site, became her foster carer and has helped her make a remarkable recovery. 
Jess is now such a picture of health that she has been selected as a model for pet supplies business, the Animal Health Company, featuring in a Christmas marketing campaign on its social media platforms. And the duo have formed such a bond during their time together, which has been longer than planned because of the coronavirus pandemic, that Miss Percival has decided to keep Jess. Miss Percival, from Bishop Auckland, said, I was looking to take an older dog on a foster arrangement, as I know how difficult they are to rehome. I was told about Jess and took her in, supposedly short term, and she'd gained weight, her skin was improving, and she was looking happier. She came so far, I decided to adopt her. Oh, isn't that lovely? We love a happy ever after. On now to a dog in Australia who had a day out at the beach, which may sound nice, but the weather intervened. It's more common for bad weather to spoil a day out at a British beach. But on this occasion, it was Australian weather spoiling the fun as extreme weather hit Byron Bay. Torrential rain hit the area with tides of up to eight metres high seen. The shoreline of Byron Bay was eroded and there was heartbreaking video of one poor woman searching for her dog lost under an all-enveloping sea of foam. She called the dog's name several times, then a man ducked below the writhing surface of the foam, re-emerging with the dog in his arms, which he handed to her. Thank goodness she was found. It looked horrendous conditions and incredibly dangerous. Our last news story of 2020 is a new study which suggests that dogs don't understand as many words as we think they do and have trouble distinguishing between similar-sounding words. The study, published in Royal Society Open Science, indicates that dogs' ability to distinguish between similar phonetic sounds is roughly equivalent to a 14-month-old baby. Researchers at etvos Lorand University in Budapest attached electrodes to the heads of dogs of different ages and played them some recorded words. They found that dogs could distinguish between familiar commands and nonsense words, which sounded different, but were not so good at telling the difference between commands and nonsense words, which sounded similar. This can have practical applications for dog owners in that we should make our commands or cue words as different sounding as possible and maybe accompany them with the hand signal, which dogs find much easier to understand. That's it for the Dogcast Radio News for this time. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it isn't. Well, unless you've written some more, oh, yes, it is. See you next time. According to research by Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, over 80% of dog owners buy their dog a Christmas present. Is being a pet sitter something you fancy having a go at? No two days the same, mixing with lots of cute animals and animal-friendly people, but also getting some very odd requests and some interesting adventures. Helen Brunton had so many funny and unusual experiences, she wrote a book about it. Continuing the fun, here's Helen Brunton to tell us about pampered pets, outrageous owners. You are what a lot of people would like to be. You're a pet sitter. Well, you're an author now as well, but you're a pet sitter. (laughs) So how did you get into pet sitting? I got into pet sitting. My daughter used to be a pet sitter to start off with, and she just did it to earn some pocket money. So one day she said to me, let's run some flyers off. Let's go around all the houses in the village and put them through the letterbox to see what happens. So we did. Anyway, a couple of days later, she had about five or six people interested. Wow. And it just got bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, um, she needed to go and get a proper job. So she said to me, oh, I can't get my pet sitting going. I said, well, let me take it over for you. And then um, once you've finished whatever you're doing, you can come back and you can pick it up again. So we did. I took it over. And then I just got more and more people And in the end, I had to start saying no because I had too many people and too many jobs and I just couldn't fit them all in. 
Yeah. Um, out of that, I had about seven or eight regulars every week, which was really nice. Yes. Yeah. And it's lovely when you can get to know them, I imagine. And, yes. But yeah. yeah. So, more like like friends. An, yeah. Like an extended animal family, aren't they? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was a, it was rather a change of pace, though, wasn't it? Because you you worked in a in a legal firm. I did. I worked in a, one of the really big legal firms. Um, I went there for two days as a temp and I ended up staying for 31 years. Wow. <laughs> and it was totally different. There were so many deadlines and I often used to work really late and work through the night and think nothing of it. Um, and this was a totally different pace, which I really liked in the end. Because yes. what happened was I um, took early retirement. So it fitted in really well for me to take my daughter's job over as well. So yeah. it all worked out yeah sometimes things just fall into place Mm. and it's 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 just meant to be (laughs) and you've always had animals haven't you I mean your pets I'll I'll leave you to tell I won't steal your thunder but your pets have been amazing (laughs) I'm so jealous I've had lots of different pets I've had a donkey the first big pet that I had to look after and I used to ride her around everywhere she was absolutely lovely I've had dogs cats rabbits ferrets (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. bats and chickens as well mustn't forget yeah. them yeah, lots, lots of different animals <laughs> we, we've had quite a lot we've had ducks and um oh and my daughter's had um cockroaches giant cockroaches he, he's seen that was it he's seen cockroaches yes they weren't my favorite i did uh-huh. hold them but they weren't my favorite no. and we've had quail and all kinds of things but the donkey I really do envy you that because I used to read um, the Enid Blyton, the children of Cherry Farm, and all the children in that had a donkey to go to school. And I, I used to think, <laughs> I'd like a donkey to go to school. Well, I don't think I'd have minded going to school so much if yeah, I had a donkey to yeah. go. Park your donkey outside and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I, I mean, I, I love that. But that stood you in good stead, didn't it? Because it's not just dogs that you've looked after. Tell us about some of the other pets. I've looked after lizards. I'm not, don't mind lizards. I'm not too, I'd never do snakes because I just can't stand them. I couldn't even be in the same house as I've got a snake. Um, but lizards and ferrets, all that sort of stuff. Anything, really, anything that's a bit different. Even pigs. They weren't oh. my own pigs, but I have looked after pigs. <laughs> yeah. Again, you see, I'm jealous because I love pigs. They're so, I'd love to train a pig because you, yeah. you hear they're so intelligent and, mm-hmm. and so so affectionate with each other they have relationships don't they with each other I mean I do. yeah yeah. I, yeah oh I want I want a pig I want a pig uh, <laughs> in well in fact I'd like more than one pig um but there you go <laughs> um do you like being a pet sitter I love it I really like the I like the fact that I can meet lots of different people I like the fact that I can do what I like and fit as many jobs in as I like um and if I get people that I'm really not too keen on I don't have to go any further than that so it's all up to me uh, nobody answers me back. Dogs and yeah. cats are always pleased to see me. Never in a bad mood. <laughs> so, I think it's, it's not a bad job at all. Yeah, no, I, I think it sounds lovely. Um, and one of the things you touch on in the book, you've written a book, um, we should yeah. mention, <laughs> called Pampered Pets and Outrageous Owners, which I think is lovely. Um, mm. And we're going to talk a bit more about that. But you talk in that book about the, the different needs of the dogs, and I think that's really important because there's, you talk about younger dogs and older dogs and they need different kind of stimulation in the day. That's really important, isn't it? Because it's not just about are they fed and watered? They've got other needs, haven't they? The thing is, people are the same as well. I mean, people, they've got different needs, just like dogs. And I think every single dog has a different character. Every single dog has different needs. And even if it's just to sit with them for half an hour, 
and talk to them and stroke them or whatever, watch TV with them. It's giving them time and it's giving them a bit of company. And often, once they've done the basics outside, that's just what they want. They just want a bit of company, especially dogs. I think dogs much more than cats. Yes, yes. Cats are, it can be a bit more. I think cats sort of love their own people. Mm. But other people, it's like, well, if you feed and water me, you can be on your way. <laughs> but, you know, some dogs really just really value that that company of whoever it is, don't they? They do. They thrive on the company, don't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bless them. Bless them. Okay. So will you tell us a couple of stories from the book? And I've read it and it's really funny. It had me laughing. So can you tell us, first of all, about Stace and the Red Setter? Oh, I love Stace. Stace is a typical Essex girl. She's really, really glamorous, like they always are, always look beautifully turned out. Uh, dogs beautifully turned out as well, and they're all matching. Even the dog has pink nails, the same as Stace has <laughs> pink nails. And Stace is so beautiful that if she goes into a class and there's a woman judge, she's not going to get anywhere. <laughs> because the women are jealous of her. She's so lovely. And the men, the minute she goes in their class, they wanted to do a, a couple of extra rounds. They wanted to run around <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> and often she might even get a first. And she's very, if she doesn't get a first, I think she's quite put out because she feels she should do. But I think the judges are judging her rather than a dog. <laughs> <laughs> they do say there's facey judging, don't they? But um, I don't think they're judging her face all the time. No, <laughs> I think her movement has a lot to do with it. <laughs> Yeah. But um, I I mean, in the book, you have to handle her dog, don't you? I do. I often have to handle her dog because she wears these great big shoes that she can't run in. And often she just likes to get into the show ring and she just stands there so everyone can get a good look at her. And then I'm I'm the one with the old trainers on that are much more comfortable. (laughs) And I'm the one that's running round. And then when she gets presented, she suddenly hobbles over to the judge and picks up her trophy. And then she's in all the local papers. So, (laughs) yeah. Oh. the understudy <laughs> yeah yeah now I I had some sympathy well a lot of sympathy with you in the story in the book because I can remember going to um an obedience show with with Buddy my black Labrador and we'd, we'd worked and worked we we weren't really I won't say professional trainers but we weren't you know we didn't take it as seriously as a lot of people I we did it so I could write about it and so we could have fun together mm. but we went to one show obedience show and we were in the ring and the dog next door was called Buddy as well. So at, at, as we were in there doing our stuff, the dog next door, the owner threw a dumbbell and said, Buddy, fetch. Oh, well, of no. course, my Buddy just ducked under the tape and went and got the dumbbell before the other Buddy could get it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he caused uh, you know, upset there. Um, and another one, he, he, he just ran out. We, uh, that was it. We'd done our stuff somewhere else a different show and we'd done our healing and our all the all the required things and and he was very contained and he kept himself really well through it and then we got to the end and I was very uptight and the judge went well praise your dog so of course I went oh good I was really relaxed good dog good and it just tipped him over the edge but he was wonderful mm-hmm. but he, he would tip into manic and he tipped into manic and he just ran out of the <laughs> ring and he just stood there going oh he's got I mean he he had I fully understand sort of what goes on but I mean what happened when you handled him (laughs) it's just so funny because I think what it is for these show dogs they're so used to standing still they're so used to being well behaved and they're very very good and they're always being groomed the whole time so they've got so much attention on them but they don't actually have a lot of time for playing and being dogs yeah I think what happened was when um, I took this red setter into the ring 
and then the tractor misfired. It just all hell broke loose. And the dog was so excited to be doing something else and just standing there looking perfect. She suddenly thought, right, that's it, I'm off. And off she went round the other rings of the dogs, where they're all standing beautifully waiting with lovely huskies all in a row standing. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you've got this red setter that was running into all of them. And it was like a brawl all over the showing. It was so funny. And there's no way I could get her back because she was just really enjoying herself. She wasn't doing anything naughty, no. doing dog things. Yes. All the other dogs were doing dog things. But when I eventually got her back in there, it was so funny because uh, she actually, she would have got a first, but because she was so naughty at running off, the judge gave her a second. And as I walked out the ring, nobody congratulated me because they were all crossed. <laughs> So I'm quite glad to hand her back to stay so that she could do the publicity photos. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I mean, at a novelty show, you might have got naughtiest in show, but I mean... <laughs> yes, definitely. This is serious showing. <laughs> yeah, they don't do waggy's tail, do they? But although I bet she had that. Oh, yeah. So it's really good. Um, and tell us about pie and mash as well. Oh, I love pie and mash. They're both English bulldogs. They're absolutely lovely. And they're really bandy and they're really sturdy and they just make me laugh. They're so funny. And uh, their owner turns up with them. He loves them. He's big and sturdy himself. <laughs> he's like, um, I think he's like a bit of a gangster, really. He turns up in his back Range Rover with the blacked out windows. And he always wears sunglasses. He always wears a hat. And he's quite a character. He's quite yeah. fun. And uh, he will think that his dogs can do agility. And there's nothing agile about these dogs whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, they are, they just, they're just really naughty. They're so funny. I mean, the girl, she's a bit of a prima donna. She's mash. She's a bit of a yeah. prima donna. She won't really join in because she just likes to stand and look. Whereas the boy, if he thinks he's going to get a sausage out of it, it's called pie, he will do anything to get a sausage. So he always has this trick he does every single year. He goes into the tunnel, the agility tunnel, and he just stays there. And he pretends he's stuck. <laughs> He's not stuck at all. <laughs> and the only way to get him out is with a sausage. He's, he's learned this. He always, he always works. He always gets a sausage. And he always out. So then he goes around and does it again. But the judges always tell this man, take your fat dogs out. You know, they get stuck and they're no good. But he always says, well, they're trying. They're trying. They've done more yeah. training. And every year he's back again. But he's great. I think really they should just give him a prize just for turning up. Yeah. <laughs> Long service medal for keeping going back. <laughs> yeah that's really a clever dog though because he's a really uh, clever dog and then also the sausage eating contest at the end he's very good with that as well because he just barges all the other dogs out the way <laughs> <laughs> he's got the bulk to do it <laughs> <laughs> i do like bulldogs they, they do seem to have a lot of character don't they my my great aunt oh, yeah. had bulldogs and i just love them i've got yeah. a soft spot for them <laughs> <laughs> they just stand their ground they just won't move <laughs> yeah yeah no I like them I do like them um part I mean there's a lot more in the book we just picked on two of the stories mm. just to give people a taste of, of the stories but it is it's good it's a variety of animals mm. um plenty of dogs but there is a, a variety it gives you a taste of what your life has been and it, it it's I mean it does have me laughing um tell me about the illustrations in the book though because they add to its charm Oh, I love the illustrations. Yeah, I'm really lucky because my dad did the illustrations for me. And uh, every story that he read, he, he did the dog or the animal exactly as I described, which was brilliant because I didn't have to keep saying to him, no, it should be like this, should be like that. No, he just did it exactly how I wanted. And they came out really good. They really made me laugh, just the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to say about the book or the process of writing it or...? I think, it, yeah, it was quite different. I've never done anything like this before. Hmm. But um, it just started during lockdown one afternoon. I was a bit bored and I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll 
typed some stories up about all the animals that I looked after because they're quite funny. And I found myself, I typed a couple of stories up and I was laughing. I was really laughing. I thought, this is ridiculous. If I'm finding this funny, I wonder whether anybody else will find this funny. So I put it on to some of my friends and my daughter and my husband and they all liked it. My dad liked it. He was really laughing about it. And I thought, well, it's great because more and more people like it. So they're laughing. Yeah. So all these people find it funny and then perhaps it is. So that's why I decided just to carry on and uh, do some more stories for it. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> well, at the moment, we all need as much cheering up as we can get. So yes. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if people are looking for a Christmas present for for animal lovers who who want to laugh, this is you know this is the the a good choice, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think well, it definitely cheers you up. It does make you laugh. It does take your mind off anything COVID. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Another C word. <laughs> <laughs> okay so where can people find the book online it's on amazon amazon uk and uh there's a there's a link in on my facebook page and my helen Brun- brunton author facebook page is a link in there as well to go straight through to it okay we'll put those links on and we'll put Thank a link you. on the podcast site okay. so that people can definitely find it um is there going to be a sequel is there going to be a volume two I'm thinking I've got I've got thoughts going around yes <laughs> to wait and see yeah yeah well we'll have you back and discuss that again then so best of luck with it and uh, thanks thank ever you. so much Helen okay thank you Helen and her book made me laugh if you've got a funny story about pet sitting do get in touch and I'll share it with everyone else because we all need laughter especially at the moment you can find out more about pampered pets outrageous owners at the Facebook page Helen Brunton author And you can also find the links you need on the Dogcast Radio site. That's it for this episode and this year. (laughs) What a year it's been. I hope this show has made you smile. And I hope however and wherever you're spending Christmas and seeing out the old year and ushering a new one in, that you have a loving canine companion to keep you calm and contented and do all the other wonderful things our dogs do for us. And I hope that as 2021 dawns and hopefully the world begins to get back on its feet and find its way towards happiness, balance and community. Every dog who was adopted or bought to help humans through the pandemic remains in that home, loved and cherished. Who knows what the next 12 months may hold, but I'm looking forward to sharing any and everything dog-related with you. Until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Mum. What's a dog's favourite Christmas song? Oh, easy. It's got to be, here comes Santa Paws, here comes Santa Paws. No, 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 no. It's the Collie and the Ivy. No, no, no. It's got to be, 
dashing through the snow. No, 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 no. I think it's doodle no, it's Christmas time at all. No, no, what about good King Wenceslassie? The furry tale of New York. I saw three shih tzus come sailing in. Bark the hairy angels sing.